Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. It's Monday and we're coming off the back of a massive weekend of Premier League football. Man City three points clear at the top of the table after their emphatic win over Newcastle United. Whilst Liverpool, they were held to Spurs. Whilst at the other end of the table, Burnley, Everton and Leeds now all level pegging in the race to avoid the drop. And all with just three games left of this season. A full recap of the weekend's games. If you want that, check in with Fergal and the crew on last night's Sunday Review podcast. You can find that now on the Football Social Daily podcast feeds. But... On today's show, we've got two gents whose teams conceded a collective nine goals this weekend. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Newcastle United. Only for us a pair. Starts giving it out early doors. That's Marley Anderson, Newcastle United fan. And we've got Joel Tudor as well. Manchester United supporter who watched his team concede four to Brighton at the weekend. That must have been painful. Slightly. <laughs> to be fair, that introduction was quite nice because me and Marley have been getting like Palace the Bruce type. Intros, <laughs> voice is smooth type intro, so we'll take that one. Slightly better. Well, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking title races, but not the title race that's currently taking place. We're going to be looking at some of the biggest ever slip-ups in the race for the title in a little bit. We're also one month away from the opening of the transfer window, so we're going to take a little look at some of the big money deals that could be happening this summer. But we're going to start, as we often do on a Monday, with a little bit of a moan, with Get In The Sea. One thing that has really wound you up from the weekend's football and you just want to vent a little bit of spleen about it. I'm going to go first on this one because I'm going to moan about once more, and you could probably take... Several of my moans have already had this season on this one. I'm going to moan about Jurgen Klopp whinging about the way other teams play football after Liverpool's 1-1 draw with Spurs. Here is Jurgen having a little bit of a whinge. I can't, I'm sorry, I'm the wrong person for that. I don't like this way, kind of football, but it's my personal problem. I think they're world-class and I think they should be do more for the game. Having a game against Liverpool and having 36, 30, 
But it's my problem. I cannot coach it, so that's why I, I cannot do it. So, yes, world-class players block all the balls. Really difficult. Atletico Madrid is doing it. So, fine. They won whatever. Uh, fine. Absolutely fine. It's just I, I can't. So, but yes, I respect everything what they do, but it's not me. He's just got to be the worst loser in Premier League history, I think. Stop throwing your toys out the pram every single time your side don't win. What I hate about this is he's criticising the way another team plays. And it's not the first time he's done this either. Not every other team is blessed with the squad that Liverpool have, the talent they have, or the money that it takes to build that squad that Liverpool have. So you can't hold them to the same standards. I think Jurgen Klopp's job as a football manager is to work out how to win a game of football against the opposition, no matter what the opposition do. Just like the opposition manager, their job is to work out how to beat Liverpool no matter what they do. So concentrate on your job and focus on winning the game and getting the best out of your players rather than criticising the other team for not playing the beautiful football or the type of football that you think they should play. Can you imagine Sam Allardyce coming out in a post-match press conference and whinging that the opposition were too fluid? (laughs) (laughs) It was too pretty. There were too many passes. Why couldn't they just lob it forward? It's not my style. Yeah, exactly. But it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing that Jürgen Klopp is doing. Wasn't it Sam Allardyce when he was at Bolton years and years ago, probably going back 10, 12 years now, and he said said somebody had criticised how Bolton play um, I think it was Mourinho because remember him and Mourinho hated each other, didn't they? That was Proper. when he was at West Ham. When it was, was it? Th- when he was talking about the knock, like Mourinho was talking about knocking down the wall with a jackhammer, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and That's such a Mourinho. Yeah. and Allardyce said something like, "Oh, he hates it, doesn't he? He hates yeah. it when we come and beat them, and oh, he hates it when all the little guys come and and beat them and the hundred million pound contracts and what have you." But it's the same in it. It's it's the same situation just 15 years on or whatever it may be or 10 years whatever it was so they're all bad losers aren't they but I mean you do want that humility to just go you know what we weren't good enough today we but they, good they enough found to... a way to yeah. to keep us to a 1-1 that's yeah. like like acknowledge the success of the other team and it's not like Spurs do it every week either it's not yeah. like they're constantly putting it's not like it was nil-nil as well they scored yeah like they they first. went and scored <laughs> they went and scored first and they yeah. could have won it as well yeah they had, they had plenty of chances to to win it you know Liverpool won at the best and that happens and that's why you know this that's what a title race is you've mm. got 38 different challenges every week and if everybody rolled put it this way if you Liverpool were playing Spurs and Spurs played a certain way and I think Klopp wanted Spurs to play like Newcastle did against Man City just far too open got yeah. picked off five times that's what happens like it doesn't matter whether you're Spurs and you've got Harry Kane and what have you because you're still going to get picked off because defensively they're quite weak hence why they play five at the back and hence why they mm. play like they did against Liverpool so you can't really criticise it and you know he had a dig at the how much they'd spent and how, how they're meant to be world class and what have you and just it, it summed up for me the reason why people don't want Liverpool to win the league. It's because they're bad losers, I mm. think. And well, they're not bad losers. To be fair, it's purely Jurgen Klopp, isn't it? Yeah. He just mm. he has to find something to blame or someone to blame that isn't him, his players, or his tactics. And it's, it's week in, week out. It might be the weather one week. It might be the yeah. way the opposition play the next. But it's just bad sportsmanship. They I think all as, do it. As long as the other team's playing eleven players and not twenty-five, as long as they're not going about breaking the legs of the opposition. I think you just get on with it and you go, well, it's my job as a football manager 
to work out how to solve the problem that's been put in front of me. Yeah. And it yeah, it comes down to tactics as like for example, we all watched Atletico against Man City and we mm. were all fuming the next day about how Atletico played, but the reason for for that was more because Atletico were de- were hell bent on trying to get players sent off and start fights and disrupt and time waste. I don't think Spurs did that as much. They they they, they just nullified it, what Liverpool it was just was a deep thing, thing yeah. didn't they? Like, imagine if like for example. I think Klopp mentioned something about the possession uh, that you know they dominate possession and they let them have the ball. I don't think I've seen a side at Anfield who dominated possession once. So it's not like this is some anomaly where a team's yeah. completely changed the game up for them. It's strange because I bet if let's say Spurs rolled over against Manchester City and playing that same way, Klopp wouldn't have been saying, "Wow, I don't like the way that Spurs played against City. It's not my style of football." It's just the fact that they're so pressured and they're so intense with this because he knows that City have barely dropped any points one point dropped is basically the title done now Yeah. so he's, he's so pressured that he knows that it's pretty much game over if they, if they drop points and yeah, I, I just don't know what he expected was he expecting Spurs to literally allow them to play to their strengths and pick them off one after the other because Conte's got a, st- a stressful job as well of trying to keep on to Arsenal and that point might actually be worth something in the end when they actually play the North London derby soon so yeah, yeah it's he, just could, he couldn't let it go to four points, could he? Because yeah, then, exactly. it, then it's pointless. The, the North London derby on Thursday, I think it yeah, is. Thursday. So you know, but yeah, your possession thing there. I've just googled the Liverpool City two two back in October at Anfield, and that the possession there was forty eight fifty two in in favour of City. And that's so, the only team that can do that. Exactly. So City, we all know how good City are, and Liverpool. To be fair to them, went like went they went at it hammer and tongue like they none of them backed down, and that's why we've seen fifty two versus forty eight possession. You know, twenty-eight pass passes difference in in the two sides over ninety minutes. So, you know, not every team's going to do that. If you've got to be as good as Man City to to beat Liverpool's possession by two percent, twenty-eight <laughs> passes. If you have to be that good, you can't you can't look at everyone else and go, "Why don't you mm. play like that?" I'd be fascinated because we've got if... Jamal Lascelles at the back, so <laughs> we're going to lose. I'd be fascinated to know if Klopp was like this in his days at Dortmund because obviously we wouldn't have seen as many press conferences as him when he was and obviously it wasn't quite the same pressure or levels mm. that he is at Liverpool but I'd be really interested to know whether he had the same kind of attitude when he went about losing games there but anyway that is my get in the sea for today Jurgen Klopp get out the sea because I've put you in there previously and then get back in the <laughs> sea I'm not enjoying your whinging right Marley what are you going for? what am I going for? Um, I am going for it's 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 similar to yours in terms of its its whinging um and it is uh leads at the weekend and it's in particular it's Rafinha who wound me up no end on um on Sunday when I was watching match of the day um obviously they they went 2-0 down to Arsenal early doors and the game was pretty much mm. over and then Ailing went in with that ridiculous tackle on Martinelli in the corner two-footed um and got sent off but the thing that wound me up was Rafinha just not leaving the referee alone. Like he he followed him to VAR and was saying something. God knows what, because this is this is my point of it. What what are you possibly moaning about? You've seen the guy go in with two feet <laughs> in the corner. Martinelli was stood still for God's sake. Like he's gone in with two feet. It's it, even Stevie Wonder could have seen that was a red card. It was ridiculous. It didn't even need looking again. And I'm, I'm amazed the whole situation didn't get a red card straight away. Even that he had to go to VAR because it was ridiculous. But. I mean, Rafinha didn't leave him alone and then followed him followed him to VAR, watched him do it. Um, and as soon as he came back with VAR and he put his yellow card in his pocket, Rafinha was still at him. And he, so he booked him. 
And then still, he still couldn't be um, pushed away. Like His teammates were trying to get him away and he was still having a go at him. And I just think he was incredibly lucky not to get a red card because I'd, I'd have sent him off before I'd even got back from the VAR thing because he was, he was doing my heading because I was like, there's no point in in this like you can you can appeal decisions and mm. stuff and say your piece that's fine but you're never going to get a referee to overturn it especially when he's went and looked at it on the bloody TV it's ridiculous it's because he knew he was going to have to play right back <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. like when, when he just wanted to do anything to avoid the fact playing right back yeah he's my partner I don't want to I know how good Martinelli is from Brazil so uh, yeah no I don't I don't fancy that so yeah it was annoying um, and I don't like it when it's one of the modern day things I, I don't like when they just will not leave referees alone. It's not new though, is it? I mean, I no. remember back in the day, Roy Keane getting so far into referees' faces he could taste their tonsils. It was like it was nose to nose stuff, you bellowing in their face. And until there's some kind of rule introduced, there's like yellow cards for approaching a referee or a rugby approach where only the captain can go up to or something like that. It's not going to change. It's just part of. Sadly, it is part of the Do you game. Do reckon now. that Mike would change things? Because players will be a bit self-conscious of the fact that, that they're going to be Maybe. aired, what they say. I don't know. I don't know if... Well, that's the thing. The broadcasters would just, just be constantly apologising, wouldn't they? Wouldn't yeah. they as well. All you'd like, get is crowd noise, like, you know, like when they... You remember, old, Big, you remember Brother. Big Brother? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it'd just be like birds <laughs> tweeting. It's like, what the hell's that? Oh, someone swore, right. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but it's... It's never gonna change. I thought you were gonna mention actually, Jim, the Paolo Di Canio pushing, <laughs> pushing. Uh, yeah. Was it what's he called? Paul Paul Alcock. Paul Alcock. Paul Sod pushed yeah. him over. Which was hilarious at the time, but also, I mean, it should. It, it's it's part of the game. You don't want to see. I mean, Paul Alcock made the most of that Paolo. If you if you are not of the age where you remember football in the nineties, then go and have a look at Paolo Di Canio pushing referee Paul Alcock over because he kind of. Goes over with such theatrical style yeah. that he definitely it's needed a Bambi on ice. Yeah, it was yeah. Louis Van Gaal style. It's incredible. Yeah, it's that kind of really? thing. It's like a baby donkey, like getting up for the first time, using his legs for the first time, but in reverse. Bambi on ice. Yeah, 100%. Right. Well, I think that's a worthy get in the sea for today. And what are you going to wrap us up with then, Joel? I was going to put a whole team in the sea. And I think you know what team I'm talking about. Brighton. <laughs> but, Just push them off the coast. <laughs> but I think Manchester United have been so far in the bin for so long that they're already at their incinerator now, so I can't really put them in there for too long. So I was going to go for a tweet that I saw, which was from a Liverpool fan, and it was the prospect of Liverpool potentially being level on goal difference with City and losing out on the title. Mm. And he was saying, oh, it's not fair how a team can, of these two abilities can end up being on the same point, but one team wins it just by a point. Or by, And everyone was literally commenting, saying, wouldn't it be amazing if we had a twenty, a 38-game season where you can see who exactly is the better team uh, during the whole season? But it had me thinking, actually. Every other European league, they don't take into account goal difference. They take into account head-to-head. And I was thinking... I think this should be the next rule after away goal scrapping that should be scrapped because I was let's say you have Liverpool and City and they're on 68 Sorry, what, goal what, What's the rule that you want to scrap? The goal difference? Yeah, I would have that second instead of and then put head-to-head first. Okay. So, for example, let's say City and Liverpool, they've been so closely contested all season. I would look at first the head-to-head as like an aggregate score. But surely goal difference is a measure of how well the teams have performed Yeah, but then if, if a team wins 1-0 and a team wins 5-0, it's still a win, isn't it? It's similar to how they've changed in the Champions League now, where like if you get a one-all draw and a two-all draw, 
the team who scores the two away goals goes through, but it didn't make sense. Because but if a team a wins, a and it, it wins every game of the season 1-0 compared to a team winning every game of the season 3-0, Surely the team that's yeah, won every like game three now, <laughs> because that, <laughs> yeah, 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 whoever, whatever team wants to play the way they want to play, they play. I think it's every European uh, league has done it correctly. I think, and then you can literally separate the two sides to see when they actually played each other, who was the better side. So is that how other European leagues? Yeah, do every it? single yeah, European league does it that way. One. Spain, Spain, Spain have done that for a while. I yeah, didn't know yeah. that. And Italy do it as well. So I don't know what the Milan, the Milan two teams who are contesting for the Serie A now, they they could potentially end up on the same points same goal difference but they'll go back to the two games mm. rather than the goal difference I think it's just way more fairer because like However, City are a, a if, team score more if that happens City and Liverpool have played twice this season Both and draws. draw 2-2 so yeah. you'd have to you'd end up having to have either go to goal difference anyway or have a playoff <laughs> which I'd love that would be, that would be amazing a one game can, playoff can in the Premier League title know. that can happen is if, it if every single criteria is consistently uh, matched yeah, but it's not far away. So if, if for example, now the three games left, a pair of them. If City lose their next game, one one nil, and Liverpool win their next game two nil, and then they both match each other's scores, so the next two games, yeah, goal difference uh, will be the same, points will be the same, and I think it will go to the first ever thirty ninth game playoff. Would they not take in, take into account the amount of wins? Uh, sorry, no. It goes to goals scored after that. Ah, okay. And then apparently, so goal scores is very similar as well. <laughs> no, but can you imagine that game though? Yeah, the smallest. I I don't think that that would be a good idea. It'd be a good idea for the neutral, but imagine like there's a tiny mistake. It's <laughs> very conscientious, uh, like very borderline. Mm. Could have gone yeah. either way, and that decides the whole thing. The stakes are too high. Almost. Yeah, I, I don't think a referee would want to even touch that game. It's like you the know old what? relegation games they used to have the relegation playoff games, which I think would be brilliant to see for that a neutral. I can't but it think was just of too, a, too high a stakes. I can't think of a better game for Mike Dean to retire on. <laughs> oh my! He would absolutely make that. <laughs> Mike all Dean would be first in that queue. I'm having this, lads. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mainly because I want it. My ego is massive, but also <laughs> the fact that I'm just walking away at the end of the season anyway <laughs> imagine that it's a good shout though I really like it and I think if it does go down to goal difference this season I don't, I don't think it will I can't see City no, can't slipping see up it. now but if it does go down to goal difference I can already see the petitions yeah. from Liverpool fans saying. for this some kind I'm of saying. campaign change right that is it for getting the sea they're the things we are complaining about over the weekend a bit of a Monday moan I hope everyone feels better about that we're going to talk about transfers next because unbelievably we are one month until the summer transfer window opens and there's some pretty big names being linked with moves to and about the Premier League. We'll talk about our next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. We're going to be talking transfers now. The transfer window opens June the 10th, which is one month and one day to go until players can start moving around their clubs again. And we're going to start with Arsenal, who their Argentine striker target, Lutaro Martinez, he's currently with Inter Milan. He's been linked with a few Premier League clubs over the past couple of seasons, but now Gazzetto della Sport in Italy are claiming that Inter wants to hang on to the 24-year-old Argentinian. He's been linked with a few Premier League clubs, as I've said, Marley, over the last couple of years. What do you know about him? Does he have the attributes that he needs to do well in the Premier League? Because we sometimes see strikers who have impressed in Italy, mm. Romelu Lukaku, <laughs> doing, coming over to the Premier League and not really performing on the right level or the expected level. Yeah, he's... Um, he, I mean, att- attribute-wise, I think he's got pretty much everything. Um the only, th- like he's he's quick, he's good dribbler, good on the ball, similar kind of to maybe like an Aguero, as in, you know, he's, he's he lacks a bit of physicality, but his movement is is what sets him apart, I think. Um, and he's uh, he can score all types of goals, good with both feet. Um, the only sort of thing I would hold against, not hold against him, but like question maybe, is the fact that Inter have played with two up front for a long time, and usually they've got a big man up front with him. It's either Jeko or this season or in the past it's been Lukaku um, so in Arsenal if they continue to play sort of 4-2-3-1 it would it would still suit him because Arsenal play with the ball on the floor there's, mm. there's not too much long balls you know up to him he doesn't have to do too much physically and there's there's plenty of fluidity around him with um, Martinelli and Saka and Smith Rowe and Odegaard and all those options so I can see it working for um, for him if he goes um, it's just a case of the fee and stuff because I think Arsenal need two strikers um, and to sort out Eddie and Ketty's future as well. Mm. So they need to uh, need to sort that out and, and not s- just splooge the budget on on one guy and and then hope because you know you only ever one injury away from from something happening. So it's um, it's a tough one for Arsenal, but they they need to take that chance this season because. You know, if, if they don't, if they get in the Champions League, they need a striker. Yeah. If they don't, need, if they don't get in the Champions League, they need a striker to get into it. So, it's uh, it's one of them where he's he's sort of the flavor of the month for about two years now, um, Martinez. So, he seems to be the next one coming out of Serie A to to have a go at the Premier League, and it'd be interesting to see if uh, if he did do well because that would even that would give another sort of angle to the whole why hasn't Lukaku done well thing because Lukaku's came into you know came from the same club into the same league and just something's gone wrong somewhere mm. um, and funnily enough I think Inter could prob- could maybe afford the fee to bring Lukaku back if Arsenal buy Martinez if Arsenal buy him for like 60 million yeah like Arsenal could uh, Chelsea could go you know what they've got 60 million now so can we have can we give him back? Yeah, yeah. Um, so for, that's a, that's actually a better thing for Arsenal, really, because it's a two-edged sword. Then you get a striker and you get a decent striker out of the Premier League. Because if Lukaku turns it on again for Chelsea, that separates Chelsea from Arsenal mm. by another, you know, few points. Well, ten points a season maybe if Lukaku starts scoring twenty odd goals. So it's, it's fairly a fairly big if that, though, isn't it? <laughs> it is a big if. Like he does look, but he did score two at the weekend, didn't he? But yeah, one of them a penalty. Yeah. His second goal was good, though. What about Anketia, though, Joel? Because 
he's been the forgotten man at Arsenal for a long time now after showing some really early promise. But this season, particularly at the latter end of the season, he seems to have found his form. He's scored nine goals in the ten starts he's had this season. That obviously doesn't include all his appearances as late substitutes and whatnot. But his contract is up in the summer. So what happens to him? And should Arsenal be looking to hold on to him now? Do they need a marquee striker if they've got a striker that's scoring nine goals in ten starts? It's a difficult scenario for him because I know that he'll want to start every single game and he probably feels like he can. And judging from his form, he's looking like he's playing really well. He got those two goals at Stamford Bridge as well, which mm-hmm. were, it was such a good performance. But then you need to look at Arsenal's perspective, which is, is he going to be the guy who can lead us to the next level in terms of getting 20 goals a season, maybe challenging for the top three because I don't see anybody breaching Liverpool and City for a long time. So you kind of have to look at it that way and I just don't see him being that type of striker for them. I think they need to look higher, like Martinez, who could take them to another level. Maybe mm. Armando Broja, who I think he's going to be really good for whoever he goes to next. It's good. And Katia is going to... It's hard for him because he's at the right club right now, but then it's a question of who do you go to next because he's not going to have a chance at any of the next top six clubs, really. So for him, if I was him, I'd probably stay, to be honest, because now he's proven his worth. Whereas prior to this massive run of form, everyone probably doubted his ability at the top level. But now that he's actually showing that he can do it on the biggest stage and against pretty big clubs as well at high level games, he can do it. So if I was him, I would try and stake a claim in the side um, because the only way down, the only next move for him is down. Mm. And I don't really think he's going to want to take the step down. I think if he has the the balls to try and make a claim at that level. He should stay and try and fight his way. But he doesn't want to commit to another four years of sitting on the bench, does he? Yeah, because he's no guarantees though, is he? And with Arteta, we've seen as well that he's very like flippant in terms of his um, his choices. We've seen but Lacazette's going to go this summer. We've seen yeah. Aubameyang Well, Lacaz- Lacazette was in the team, wasn't he? Like yeah, 10, he- 15 games in a row and all of a sudden something happened and he went... And then he's right, gone. He seems like the, se- it's like the seniority he doesn't like... I feel for him, the senior plays, because he's semi... I don't know how old is he, like 40, Arteta, something yeah. like that. I feel as though it's a bit of an ego clash in terms of players are a little bit senior. Maybe he doesn't like the challenge of having to have a older player try and dictate change. Mm. I think it's maybe more an ego thing. I it's think like, so. Because if I you look at so. Pep Guardiola, I mean, we always say that Mikel Arteta is like the... is Pep Jr., and like apprentice style. Yeah, Pep's never been a manager that's tolerated egos. And you look at the relationships yeah, he's had sure. with people like Abramovich in the past. Not Abramovich, sorry. Yeah, Abramovich uh, was one with Yeah, Abramovich, yeah, I do mean Abramovich, yeah. Like in the past. Yeah, it's yeah, like too, as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he gets rid of them. The senior Joe, um, Joe Hart as well. Same thing, pretty much. Yeah, mm. yeah so, ended Joe Hart, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, so it, it could well be that situation. You might be right there, Joe. Uh, let's talk about a potential incoming at Man City. And given that, lack of tolerance that Pep Guardiola has for egos. It seems crazy that Man City have been linked over the last 48 hours with a trip for Paul Pogba, uh, who could be journeying around the M60 from Old Trafford to Man City. Now, you're a United fan. That would hurt, wouldn't it, if you saw Paul Pogba pulling on a City shirt and suddenly fulfilling his potential? It would bring out the the trauma of the Tevez one. That still hurts (laughs) a little bit inside me somewhere. It gets triggered a little bit. Uh, David Ornstein from the BBC and from The Athletic has said that it's probably not going to be his choice this summer. Right. Um, Whose choice? Pogba's choice. choice. Apparently, it's not to do with loyalty. I think it's just to do with the fact that, well, he said that there's better packages, quotes, in terms of, I don't know what that means. I think we all know what that means Hmm. in terms of 
the money wise. Um, Signing on fee. But you know what though? In all honesty, I wouldn't even see Pogba getting into that midfield. Just for the fact that I feel like he's in the similar position to Kevin De Bruyne. Bernardo Silva is very different. I think Bernardo Silva will probably end up leaving City, but I don't really see him fitting into that City side that much. Mm. I think he would be a different player under Guardiola where I think he would transform him massively. But I just think he's better suited elsewhere, to be honest. But if he did go to City, I mean, that would be a stinger that, especially because the first time he left, he was on a free. The next time he left, he was on a free. But to the nearest neighbours, that would be... I think that would be one of the biggest transfers in Premier League history, to be honest. But um, again, it's come out this morning as well that it looks like Haaland's going to be the man who's going to be the big marquee signing for them. And I think that's the right signing for them. Yeah. It's kind of like last summer, how they went for Grealish instead of Kane. I feel like if they went for Pogba instead of a Haaland type, it would be kind of go counterproductive. It's the yeah. player they've needed all season, isn't 100%. It? But even still, I mean, did they really need him? Because they're completely coasting the league at the moment. Well, I think if you look at the Real Madrid game, do you think it would have made a difference in that? Though? I think having a centre forward yeah, could have made a big difference in that game. Yeah, because I feel like with Pep, when he doesn't play a routine out and out striker, his teams are a little bit more unpredictable. Then I don't think teams know how to approach his side a little bit, mm. and it's hard to know if uh, Haaland will even adapt quite quickly. Because I like to use the term of the Bundesliga tax, which for everyone who doesn't know, is the kind of if you score thirty in the Bundesliga <laughs> in the Premier League, it's probably the equivalent of about five Premier League goals. I kind of, I kind so, of agree with you in terms of how like there, there's still big question marks over Haaland and the level he can play at. But well, I don't think, struggled a bit. Yeah, yeah, but I don't, think there, I, I, I don't think there's been a player that has proved himself quite as much at the level Haaland has because he hasn't just done it in the Bundesliga. He's done it in Champions League where he scored multiple hat tricks. He does it for Norway. And so, and there he's playing for lesser teams in those competitions, arguably. So yeah, I think don't he's... get me wrong, he's quality. Like, he's, <laughs> a, he's a tier above probably the majority of the Bundesliga players who've come out of there. It's but not a slam dunk. But... He's not 100%. It's still risky. Yeah. yeah. But um, I mean, I could probably score a good five goals in that city side to create that <laughs> amount of chances. So for a guy like him who's playing like a robot, I'd, yeah, don't get me wrong, he'll probably score a good amount because, I mean, Gabriel Jesus scores a good amount and mm. he's not the best technical player. Uh, but. I still think it's not a sure fit in terms of success. I still think Kane's a pretty good fit for them, but yep. they're probably looking at the age and thinking yeah. it's better investment, isn't it? Let's yeah. stick with Old Trafford for the time being and talk about Dean Henderson and his future. He stuck around at Manchester United over the last season, probably assuming he was going to get the number one spot from David De Gea, who was in poor form previously. But De Gea stepped up, Henderson's found himself on the bench, and he's going to feel like he's wasted the last year at Manchester United, I guess, Marley. But Bournemouth, newly promoted Bournemouth, are potentially interested in a move. Does it feel like a good move for all parties? Um, it, yeah, it could be, yeah. I think one thing everyone agrees on is Henderson needs needs to, needs to play. Yeah. Um, whether or not he can get it, I think he can get a better move than, than Bournemouth with respect to Bournemouth, but um, it's just it's just who's out there, who wants him. Like, I... I've said in the past I would quite like Henderson at Newcastle with you know in terms of like Dubravka's 34 um, Henderson's 24 25 so you're looking at that and thinking you could be our goalie for the next nine years if, if everything goes well and you know Newcastle's ambitions in the next nine years are astronomical in terms of how much, what team they're trying to build and stuff whether it'll happen or, or not we don't know but you know the project is there and it's very um um, what do you call it? Very attractive to to players who want to come as well. And mm. Henderson's a, a northern lad. He's, he's born in the same hospital that I was. 
Um, so he's, you know, maybe maybe he prefers to stay up north. Does, does he fancy Bournemouth? He's had a similar loan to Sheffield United where he got a lot of work, but um, ultimately they went down. I think even if Bournemouth stayed up next season, they'd be favourites to go down the season after. So there, it takes a lot to get them away from that. Eddie Howe did insane to keep them up for five years um, in a row before their the sort of luck ran out. But you, you're sort of thinking, if it was Henderson, I would try and just see what else is out there first because you kind of know what's going to happen with Bournemouth. You're going to... You might get in the England squad though, so that might be a um, a thing for him in his head. Like if I play every every week of the season, I'm definitely one of the best three keepers in England because there's Pickford uh, and then there's Pope and then the third one's kind of up in the air. So you know, is it is it him? Is it Sam Johnston? Is it uh, Ramsdale? He he'll be looking at Ramsdale and thinking he's came from a similar level club to to Henderson like in terms of he's come out of Sheffield United and then Ramsdale's come out of um, Sheffield Sheffield United as well Ramsdale wasn't it yeah yeah, and he's come out of Sheffield United having replaced him and gone to Arsenal and just got got games and is in the England squad so he'll be looking at that and saying oh, he's, no, he's no better than me so I've got to get in I've got to just play somewhere and get in so in in short I would try and hang on for something better but if nothing better comes out then You've, at the end of the day, you've got to you've got to be playing football, haven't you? So um, get your career back on track. Cause you have probably, unfortunately, wasted a a, a a a year of your career, but not for want of, not for you haven't just thrown it away because he he did have a genuine shot of being Man United number one, and everyone would take that chance if they could, but it didn't work out like that. And now now it's time to move. Don't be a Jesse Lingard, basically. Don't hang on. With broken promises of you're gonna be first choice next year, don't don't do that. Learn from that and go. Okay, time to move on. Like we say, there is just over a month, month and one day until the transfer window opens, and that is when everything starts to heat up. And we will keep you up to date with the, all the moves and potential moves on Football Social Daily. Make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss an episode of this podcast because there's one every single day of the Premier League season, and then over the summer there'll be three or so a week as well. Right, we're going to do a little quiz next, a little game. We're going to take a look at some of the slip-ups in the title races of previous years of Premier League and top division in English football. We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewellery. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.
Right, last bit of today's Football Social Daily, finishing Monday's podcast with a bit of a quiz. Joel, Marley, are you ready for this? As long as it's not one of those retro ones that you always like to do from the 80s and well, 90s when I wasn't even an embryo. Not everything's about the Premier League, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. I mean, City have taken a step closer to the Premier League title. They are three points clear with three games to go. They were in a much better position earlier on in the season. It looked like they were going to cakewalk it to the Premier League title. So we're going to take a little look at some of the worst title collapses in English football history. This some of them air of inevitability. More <laughs> recent than others. Some of them are quite tricky, these questions as well. But you, you never know. There might be a few grabs you can get. So we're going to start off with Aston Villa, who were in the reckoning for Premier League glory back in 1998. When, how old were you in 1998, I was two years old. Two years old, so you should remember this nicely. <laughs> <laughs> so at Christmas Day 1998, Aston Villa were top of the table. It was just the season after they sold Dwight York to Manchester United, who then went on to win the title. Villa eventually finished sixth. Who was Aston Villa's top goal scorer in that season? Dion Dublin. Dion Dublin says Marley, which is not correct. Oh. He scored 11 goals, was second in their scoring charts. Who might have been top goal scorer, Joel? Have we heard of him? Yep. Right, I've got another guess, but go on. I'm just going to go with... I actually don't even know who probably played for him now. I'm not even going to lie. Come on, Marley, who's I'm your second guess? I'm ashamed to myself. Paul Merson. Not Paul Merson. Julia Joshman. Ah, oh, damn it. top goal scorer. 14 goals for Aston Villa. No points for anyone well. next. It's more recent now, Joel. You'll be pleased with this. 2003-2004, Manchester United looked nailed on for the title until another team went on an unstoppable run and ended up winning the title by 12 points from Chelsea in second. United finished third. Who won the league that year? And what was the special thing they achieved in doing so? That is Arsenal, isn't it? It is Arsenal. The Invincibles. Correct. Well done. Good grab. 1-0 to Joel. Next one. In 1971-72. <laughs> I love that you've saved it for Mark. <laughs> when Jim was 10. <laughs> Manchester United had a five-point lead at the top of the Premier League. They went on to finish eighth that season. But which team and which iconic manager won the title that year? Liverpool. Liverpool is not right. Joel, iconic manager in the 70s. Uh, is it Clough? Oh, It is Brian Clough, <laughs> Derby County. Well done, lad. Well done, lad. You did that well. Uh, right, it's 2-0 to Joel. Marley, you've got some catching up to do He's here. He's playing like Newcastle here, Marley. This could help you. 1995-1996. <laughs> oh, God. Newcastle United had an unassailable lead at the top of the table. Take yeah. it away, Marley. Go separated them and their nearest rivals. Hit me. Their collapse and Manchester United's chase prompted that famous I would love it post-match interview from Kevin Keegan. But who had Newcastle just beaten when he gave that interview? Oh, Christ. Who'd we just beaten? Yep. Um, I thought you were going to say, where's, where have they got to go? Because United had to go to Middlesbrough. Yeah. Had we just beaten Middlesbrough? No. No. I'll give you another guess, because it's a difficult question. Uh, if you get this wrong, then Joel's walked away. Uh, it's a shock win for Joel in the quiz. <laughs> um, were we at home? Yes. Jesus. Uh, Dirty it was, team. It wasn't someone decent. Was it like Wimbledon or something? It wasn't. Joel, any guesses? Say like Millwall? 
Leeds United. It Leeds. was a 1-0 victory at Leeds United. Right, final question. You're playing for pride now, Marley. In 1996, <laughs> Liverpool found themselves chasing the title and they topped the table on Christmas Day. Eventually, they finished third. Who was their manager? When was this? 1996. Um, I said Dalglish. Is incorrect. Any guesses, Joel? Um, no, honestly, pre pre ninety six. It was the fellow before Julier, wasn't it? Roy Evans. That's him. Was the manager playing for pride, and you have no pride (laughs) to take away with you, Joel? A two nil win in the quiz. Congratulations, well done. It's the most biggest achievement of Manchester United over the course of the weekend is you winning that quiz so well done you can have that you needed it more than me it's a home turf win in Manchester (laughs) I'll take it for once that is it for today's Football Social Daily make sure you join us tomorrow we'll be looking ahead to the week of Premier League action there's games this week isn't there I can't remember what fixtures there are but they're all over the place all over the shop so if you want to catch up and keep in the loop of everything that's going on in the top flights then make sure you've subscribed to Football Social Daily we'll have a new podcast for you tomorrow have a good one Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.